So here is the big question. How do entrepreneurs like us, who started sales or direct selling or network marketing, how did we start our journey but now feel stuck, feel like we're struggling or we can't level up to where we want to be, where we know we can be? How do we break through and prove everybody wrong, wrong. show ourselves that we are successful and show ourselves that we can win? That is the big question. And this is the podcast that will give you the answers. My name is Lisa Hawker, and this is Direct AF Sales. Good morning, everyone. I am so excited to have this particular guest on the show. I have been working with this wonderful woman for many, many years. And I swear that there's absolutely no way that I would have been able to achieve a 10th of the success without her one-on-one and group coaching. The infamous, the wonderful, the gorgeous Leslie Zan. I am a Zan fan, hashtag Z-A-N-N fan, international number one best-selling author of Outrageous Achievement, Tapping into Your Limitless Potential to Create the Life You've Always Wanted. And when one of her colleagues said that she channels the energy of Tom Sawyer with the ability to get everyone to see that painting the fence is fun and rewarding, it's because she channels enthusiasm, creativity, and a can-do attitude that fuels everything in her life. And that is absolutely the truth. Leslie, good morning. Good morning, Lisa. Nice to be with you and congratulations on the success of your book and the success of your dice and the success of your new podcast. I'm so proud of your big vision and how you're turning it into reality. Thank you. Well, I couldn't, honestly, you and I both know I could not have done any of this without you, your support, your mentorship, your books, your Facebook morning um, show, I can call it. But I want to talk about you. I really do. I want to talk about, um, so tell the audience what you do. I am a consultant. I have my own consulting business, Leslie Zan Consultant. And I've been in the direct selling realm for 31 years. And nine years ago in 2012, I launched Leslie Zan Consulting. So just how I showed up here was I was 16 years in the field. My mother sponsored me into her network marketing business in 1991. It was a health nutrition company. We worked together for that same company, that one company for 16 years. And I always make a joke that working with your mother builds high self-esteem because you never know what she's going to say on stage about you. (laughs) I mean, we were great friends before that. And that really solidified our best friendship. We are still best friends to this day. So 16 years building my own downline. And then when that company, when the founders retired, the new owner asked me to come on board and be a liaison between his new corporate team and the field, because I was known as one of a dozen mastery trainers. And so that began an eight-year corporate career with four different network marketing slash direct selling companies. So I was three years with BodyWise, the company where I built a downline. And then I took a one-year gig with a really fine company called Immunitech up in Toronto, Canada, 
while I was there, a headhunter kept calling me saying, oh my gosh, this company's going to launch and they only have a VP of sales and they're looking for a trainer for the field and you'd be perfect. And I flew to San Francisco and was hired. And I was the first national director of field development for Rodan and Fields. And I was with them for three years. And then I closed up my corporate career with a one-year stint with a marvelous opportunity out of Kenosha, Wisconsin, Jockey International. They weren't selling underwear. They had women's casual clothing. And the year I was with them, and I'm not taking credit, the, 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 the women's stylists were so powerful. And the owner, privately owned, she's so marvelous. Uh, at the, the year I was with them, it was the fastest growing division for a direct-to-consumer for Jockey Global. So I love our profession. In 2012, I launched Les Suzanne Consulting because I wanted to do what I love to do, coach and train and inspire and motivate, and yet do it with the freedom to do it in my own way, with my own spin. And honestly, no company ever gave me the green light to do as much personal development as I think is mandatory if you're going to be highly successful in anything, certainly if you're going to be an entrepreneur. So this is where I find myself, and I'm so grateful, and I'm so humble. I've always had work. From the moment I hung my shingle, I've had more work that I could take on. And who I work with, Lisa, are either corporate teams. Corporate teams hire me to either consult with them or to train, coach, mentor their down, you know, their whole field or top leaders like you with large organizations. They hire me to either privately coach or more commonly to do leadership training for their teams or emerging leader training for their teams. So I feel very blessed and very inspired every day. And that is because you bless and inspire others every day. I truly believe that. But you also are a professional speaker. Yes, um, I have a designation called CSP, Certified Speaking Professional from the NSA, the National Speakers Association. And of the thousands of NSA members around the world, less than 17% earn that designation. That's our highest designation for speakers to CSP. So I'm very proud of that, being a professional speaker. And so, yes, out of or inside and also out of the direct selling, I'm a very um, an in-demand keynote speaker. And so I just came back recently from my first live post-COVID uh, convention, spoke at an annual convention. I leave again in a couple of weeks for a leader retreat. And so already getting booked and, and really maneuvering through that in our post-COVID world on my terms. But yes, I do love to speak and feel that I bring that you know, I'm 61 years old. There is a small group of women at that high level of speaking. And I would like to play a role in having more exposure for a strong business women's voice. And it's so fine. important. Yeah, that's so important. So prior to, um, I want to talk about your life prior to your Leslie Zan consulting business. Mm -hmm. I want to bring it all the way back to how you first started out. Well, if we go back, oh man, if we go, well, I never would have found, I never would have been receptive, I don't think, to my mother sponsoring me into her business. The few years leading up to that enrollment, a lot of things happened in my life. Um, I've been married twice. My first husband, when we met very young in our early 20s, he had just graduated from Cal Poly with a degree in architecture and his dream was to build homes. So I said, let's 
make your dream a reality. So <laughs> like so uh, many young brides, let's make your dream the reality. Well, let's follow you know, your dream, honey. <laughs> well, I, out of fairness for that, yeah. I had that entrepreneurial spirit and I was going to definitely play a role in that dream. But yeah, I was did. excited about that. Yeah. yeah. So I went to night school and I learned how homes were built. And then I got my real estate license and I passed on the first swing. And so it actually turned out to be a fabulous career for me because I became a very um, successful realtor. I was an agent for nine years and Richard was a marvelous builder. And we built one to two high-end spec homes a year, half million to million dollar spec homes. So this was in the 80s in Northern California, which was a good time to be building. We worked up to a crew of 11. I ran our building business, did payroll. Did, I mean, we had this very successful life going on and, and we're, we're very successful financially, emotionally. We just loved it. And then there was a water moratorium. Like in one day, everything changed. Very similar to what we're experiencing today. There was a drought for many years in California. So they stopped all building, which in, immediately stopped our ability to make income because uh, it stopped real estate as much as it stopped building. And so we were not prepared to retire at the time we were in San Luis Obispo. And so we took a road trip and went north and found El Dorado County. Uh, Placerville, just east of Sacramento at the foothills of the Sierras. And they had tons of land and lots of water. And they said, come on, kids, build it. Come up here and build it. So we sold everything and we moved to El Dorado County. And we had just got there. We'd maybe been there, I don't know, less than six months. We found a home. I put my license in a Remax agency in Placerville. And we bought two pieces of property, spent a half million dollars on two pieces of land, two properties, um, two lots, side by side in a golf course community. Like it's our kind of place, our kind of building. And a few months after that, I think we had the design or the high level design of the first home in the county when we got a call from the realtor who sold us the land that said, they just enacted a water moratorium, which means that one phone call, we lost all our working capital because they're not going to give you your, your money back. And we'd sunk a half a million dollars into the property. And we hadn't lived there long enough for people to know what a good builder he was and what we could do. So we started to scramble. Like we would have taken anything, fences, arbors, remodels, whatever. And there was just nothing to be had. We had not built that reputation. So for a period of six months, all the money's going out, no money's coming in. And then one day, while I was out with my real estate partner having lunch, the hostess of the little Chinese restaurant came running over and said, Leslie, we just got a call from your office and your house is burning down. What? And this is the day of pagers, right? Like my pager had been going off in my purse, but I was having lunch. Like what could be such, what could be such an emergency? So I drive up there. The house is lost. Um, our neighbors saved our dogs and the firemen brought my cat back to life. So nobody perished, but we lost everything. So we're out of work. Then we lose our staff. At the same time, I won't go into too much detail, but I was taking some tests. I discovered I wasn't able to have children. So that was a heartache. And ultimately, within a year from all this happening, uh, we had to declare bankruptcy. And, and really, it was a 
it was an intervention from my broker and our banker and our accountant. These three men who started with us from the very beginning came on a conference call. I don't know, Lisa, if they'd even do something like this today, but they came on a conference call with us today and said, look, kids, they created bankruptcy rules for this sort of situation. You didn't do this on purpose. You weren't irresponsible. You'll never get out of it. And this is what we recommend. And Richard said yes. And I said no. And I fought it out of ego for three months till finally I caved. I cried all the way to the attorney office, signed the papers, cried all the way home. Couldn't even mention the word BK for two years. And so leading up to the long answer to your good question, through all this stress, I created what my mother called the Corona Dorito diet. Um, To give you a reference, I am a size four. I was a size 14. Um, My mother came and visited, took one look at me and said, little girl, there's nothing more important than your health. And at the time she was in this direct selling health and nutrition business and said, just go on, go on the shakes, go on the vitamins, like get your health back, which I did. And in about four months, I dropped 35 pounds and lowered my cholesterol 100 points and started feeling more in control of something in my life. And that's when she invited me to join her in her business. And that changed everything. Within two years, financially, we were back on our feet. I was happy. I loved what I did. Now, the marriage didn't survive all the trauma. We, we really grew up out of the traumas. We, we grew up, up differently, um, but we parted on good terms. Um, but that was the first big milestone in my life, Lisa. There is so much to unpack there. Um, <laughs> I, mean, it was, it was, I mean, you know, I can't even imagine the stress. And it, you went from one massive stressor and loss and disappointment and scary situation that would really cripple a lot of people. Um, when people, I know when, when people lose things or things change, or there's this unexpected situation, like you're the first water moratorium that shut down this massively successful business overnight. I mean, it wasn't like a gradual thing. It was an overnight, like WTF, you know, um, <laughs> for you to be able to sell everything and pick up with your husband, with your then husband, and find a new location to start over. Where did you find that resourcefulness in that first situation? Yeah, I was very fortunate. I had not been introduced to personal development yet. I just think there's something in me that, I mean, I don't quit. I never have been a quitter. Maybe it was from being a gymnast as a kid. And, you know, or a grandfather who was a professional football coach. I, I don't know where I have this, but it just wasn't in me to quit. And we didn't have any options and we loved what we did. So if we couldn't do it there, let's go do it somewhere else. And so we just sold and packed up like the Beverly Hillbillies and off we went to Eldorado County. And um, I think that was really just um, the courage of youth, right? The courage of youth should have been and could have been a great move. But then again, um, we were destined for water moratorium number two. So I think that there's something about that thing that you just said, I don't quit. And maybe it comes from your experience as a child, as a gymnast, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs have that athleticism or that early childhood 
um, competition in sports or dance or gymnastics or something like that. Um, I think that's so true. I think that's one of the benefits, but, but also it's your entrepreneurial spirit. In other words, you said you had no choice. There is another choice. There was another choice. And that was to go on unemployment or fold up or fall into a depression or start to use drugs or alcohol. I mean, lots of people choose to, to stop. They choose to quit. They choose to quote unquote fail. The way you look at it and the way successful entrepreneurs look at it is I don't have another choice. I have to solve this problem and this is how I'm going to do it. And so even though you hadn't yet been introduced to self-development, that's powerful. Yeah. Would you agree? Leaders find solution. I say that now. I wasn't saying that then, but um, I mean, I would never consider going on unemployment ever. Um there's always an option as far as I'm concerned. And um, yeah, we just, um, I think, and I wrote about this in the book and I had not thought about it before I was writing the book, but I really believe it was the tenacity and the stick-to-itiveness and the never quit attitude that I learned after all those years in gymnastics. I, I, I really think so. And I couldn't have done it in gymnastics if innately it wasn't a part of who I am. Right. So do you yeah. think that that was um, instilled in you? Did you grow up with that? Did your mom give you that? Were you taught that? Well, my grandfather was an NFL football coach. In fact, my grandfather, Sid Gilman, is the only person who's in both the College Football Hall of Fame and National Football Hall of Fame. After and, all these years, I did not know that. <laughs> well, it has not come up in conversation. So people who are football fans know that um, he's quite well known. Um, he's, he's one of these famous for bringing the forward pass into the game. Um, you could look up Sid Gilman, and uh, that's my mother's father. And so growing up on football Sunday, watching what happens when they won, and watching what happens when they lose and just come back or like maybe cry for a moment and come back around. Well, not grandpa, but grandma and my mom. Right. And come back around to, to, to live to fight another day. I'm sure that played a role in my concept of how you pick yourself up after a loss. How, how could it not? Even though I was so young, right? even though I was such a young girl. And it played out every Sunday during football season. And you also learned, I'm assuming that, you know, losses are temporary and you're nodding and wins are temporary. Wins come and they feel good and then they're done. Yeah. And so if you fall in love with the pursuit of the win, um, that is a beautiful thing because if you're not in love with the pursuit of the win, you're going to get your one and you're going to be done. You're going to get your one win and be done, or even worse, you're going to get your one loss, your one no, your one rejection. Um, so that's interesting. Yeah, I think I think that definitely, and now I understand why you love sports analogies. I finally <laughs> understand it. I get it now. So you make this huge pivot and you move up to El Dorado County and you're there for six months. And not only does the same thing happen again, but your fucking house burns down. I mean, for the love of all that is holy, you lose lose your business again, Yeah, but then you lose all your personal possessions. That's got to be rough. It was horrible. 
standing there watching the house burn down. Once I knew the dogs were saved. And then once I watched the firemen, I could start crying. Once I saw the firemen bring Tiffany back to life on the fence, like right in front of me with an infant oxygen mask. I love that cat. Brings my cat back to life. Okay, so now everybody's alive. So now I'm in that space. Okay, nobody perished, right? But then I'm looking at the house and we literally lost everything. It was like a Hollywood facade. The front walls and the door survived. But when you open the door, everything was gone. And then the next day, Steve, my Allstate insurance man, showed up and proceeds to tell us that we were underinsured, which I am a smart businesswoman. I have to think, and I have thought ever since that day, Lisa, that a vast majority of people are underinsured and they don't know it because I'm a good businesswoman and I didn't realize. I'm so overly insured now, although what are the odds of a second fire? But still, I don't, I don't think a lot of people understand their their home insurance. At any rate, what underinsured means that you do not get to build or, or create the same lifestyle that you lost. So I'm not sure I was really a material person prior to the fire. After the fire, I, I mean, there isn't a thing in the world I could lose now, a thing, and lose it and go to crazy rap. So it did teach me that lesson of how fleeting materialism is and which is why I've never been a hoarder. Like both husbands always tease me. If you haven't looked at it in six months, you're giving it away. Right. I mean, I just, I just don't keep things. If I don't find a use for them, if I haven't used them, I'd rather circulate them into the community. I mean, it really taught me that lesson of how the universe abhors a void and the more we give it all comes back. So um, a lot of lessons with the fire at the moment did not handle it very well. I had quit smoking years ago in my early twenties and literally bummed a smoke from the firefighter in front of my house. I only smoked for a day, which was good, <laughs> but I'm sitting there having a cigarette watching this. I mean, it really, it was as devastating as you would imagine it would be to lose all your stuff. And then we moved into this little rental and um, it just was a very tough, it was a very tough time. Was it at this point then that you started getting turned on to, or somebody turned you onto the self-development course? No, not yet. This is where I started to put on all my weight through the stress of all this, put on all my weight, trying to maneuver through everything that was going on. We were working towards the bankruptcy, like all these things were um, moving. And it was the next year when mom came for a visit and gave me that mom head to foot look like only moms can do. You know, and she didn't want to come out and go like, what the hell did you do to yourself? But she just very lovingly said, the most important thing is your health, little girl. So, um, and to this day, at 60, I would not be as fit and healthy and strong at 61 had all that not happened. Had she not introduced me to her products, had I not been introduced to nutrition and, and really created a love and a passion. I mean, it's not about being skinny. It's about being fit and healthy and strong and flexible. And, and I'm so grateful that I learned that lesson in my mid-30s because it has made a huge difference and has how I maneuver through the rest of my life. And it's such a good coping mechanism, isn't it? Exercise. Oh, 
my gosh, the bigger the trauma, Lisa, I, I'm telling you, if something happens in my life and it is a big stressor or a big trauma, I eat even more healthier or I go for more walks or I exercise even harder. I mean, I'm it's just become habit because this is my rationale. Like if I'm going to deal with this shit over here, why should I put wrinkles on my ass? Now, I know that's funny, but that's my rationale. If I'm going to have to deal with this heavy stuff, I'm not going to compound it by ruining my health. And so all through COVID, I got more fit, more strong, did more exercise in isolation, even though I couldn't go to the gym, I couldn't do all the things that I normally did. And so when I hear people say, oh, through all the isolation, I put on all this weight, it's interesting to me. I would love to help them see that if you're going to deal with heavy stuff, man, make your health a priority. Because when we have our health, when we have the energy, when we're vibrant and, and energized, we can deal with things so much better. What I hear you saying is that so much of our lives and so much of the issues that we face and how we choose to face them is a matter of consciously and realistically examining your current state of affairs when you are faced with a trauma like this. And this is obviously exaggerated, multiple compounding, massive traumas that are happening in your life at such a young age. Um, Just one of these could wreck a person forever, right? You've got multiple things going on. What it taught you and what trauma in my life has taught me is to um, not bury your truth and your reality underneath a whole shit ton of Doritos and Coronas. <laughs> is that what you were eating and drinking? <laughs> Corona beer, ice cold with lime and nacho cheese Doritos. <laughs> It was a very specific diet. <laughs> I'm not saying it's healthy for you, but man, it's good. <laughs> well, you know what? It's, you know, eating is a way to comfort yourself. Eating and drinking are ways to comfort yourself and push down and not face your trauma. Yeah. And it takes um, an incredibly strong, resilient person to look into their trauma, to look into their pain, to face what's happening. And it's not easy to do. It's really not. And I want to dive a little bit deeper into that. I want you to talk about um, and kind of explore how you were able to do that and then maybe recommend some techniques um, for people. All right. So in order to do that, I got to take that was we've talked about the first big milestone in my life. I have to go to the second big milestone because that's where I really dove into the personal development. So as I mentioned, the first marriage did not last. And then fast forward, I met John, my second husband, and we were together for 15 years and soulmate, love of my life. But we said every day, I couldn't love you more. Like I, I couldn't love you more. And so came home from a speaking gig, was speaking quite regularly, came home from a speaking gig and discovered foot long red hair all over the house, which we know does not come mm. from you. I know this is 10 years ago, so I'm not going to break into tears and don't you break into tears. But at the time, it was more devastating than all those other things combined. Like I just couldn't deal with it. I was so shocked and surprised 
and so full of grief and confronted him. And it just all happened very quickly. It was very painless, but very quickly within days he was gone. And so this had been going on and it was just his way of moving out and they're moving on. And this was when I really started to dive into the personal development and was prepared to really do the hard work of figuring myself out. Cause at the time I was 50 years old and I started questioning everything. You know, I write about a particular day in the book where I was walking on the bay. It was the end of that year, the end of my 50th year. My birthday's in February. I started the year happily married, great career, money in the bank, life was good. And here it was December and I'm walking on the bay and I'm trying to figure out what the hell happened. Like the marriage is over. I had to quit my job because they pay me to be perky and inspiring and all I could do was cry. And I was just walking along the bay trying to figure out how did I get here? And I had this epiphany literally on the bay, on the Embarcadero, staring out at the boats. And I realized how I couldn't think of one risky thing or one event where I'd stretched myself that I had done in the last 15, 20 years. I mean, I think I just became so complacent and so settled in who I was. Um, you know, and I take certainly 50% responsibility of however this whole marriage ended. I, you know, I certainly own my stuff. And I realized, gosh, like I morphed into this risk adverse woman. And, and how did that become me? And so I really made that commitment that day on the bay to not only start moving through my fears, but to realize where in my life I was settling. And I just have made this huge commitment to do the work. So you said, what were some of the things? Like I can't tell you how many nights I would dim the lights, light the candles, read the books, do the cards, do the journaling. Like I spent a lot of time really opening myself up, you know, peeling the proverbial onion skin, like getting down to who I am. What do I like about me? What don't I like about me? Where am I happy? What do I want to see change? How did I get to this point? What do I want my future to look like? I did a lot of work. And was everything fun to look at? No. Um, And yet, it's necessary. It's probably the things that we don't like the most about ourselves or who we become. Those are the greatest gifts if we find the courage to go through the muck and say, okay, this is where how I have been acting and making that choice. Okay, I'm going to act differently in this area, or I'm going to make different choices, or I'm going to attract different people, or I'm going to have a different career, like whatever it is we want to change. I literally did the work. And in, in, with regards to John, like I did not want to be I did not want to be that mad, bitter ex-wife. Like I knew I did not want to be here. My mom was her. And I even said to mom, I've watched you for 30 years. You've had two marvelous loves since you divorced dad. And you're still mad. I said, I love you, mom. But one of the greatest lessons you've given me in this area is who I don't want to be. Right. And she understood how I was saying it. Like, I did not want to be that woman. So working through forgiveness, authentic forgiveness was a marvelous lesson. So that now when I think about the marriage, I can think about all the good and all the growth and all the love and all the happy times. And and I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't change the ending for anything because it wouldn't have sent me on this path 
of discovery and more humility and less judgment and full forgiveness and all the beautiful gifts that came from doing the hard work with a clear vision of who I wanted to ultimately turn into. Unbelievably powerful. I mean, so many people avoid the work of grieving and loss and um, avoid the work of discovering what they like about themselves, what they love about themselves and what they don't like about themselves. Because if you look at that, then you have to either accept it with probably some shame and guilt, or you have to put the work in to change it. And that's really hard for people. So, you know, this did not, this process wasn't like a three month or six month or year long process. No, it took quite a few years. It took quite a few years. The shadow work is what they call doing the shadow work, like that, the dark sides of ourselves. And it's not for the faint of heart. It's only for the people who truly want to be their best self. Like I said, you got to be prepared to go through the muck. So I did. I read all the books. I did all the journaling. I talked to the therapist. Like I really did my best to courageously step into Leslie. I even did the, um, uh, what do you call it? Inner child work, right? The inner child work. And, uh, you know, looking back at little Leslie and the decisions she made and the thoughts she had about herself and like, and all that, and did work through all the little Leslie stuff. I mean, it's just fascinating stuff. If you've got the courage to go through, cause it's not all pretty and it's not all easy. And yet it's transformational and you only get to be on the other side, the empowerment, the, the self-love, the self-confidence. You only get to come to this space if you're willing to crawl through the mech. And that's the beauty of what you do, what you've chosen to do after you've gone through that, right? You are coaching other people to do the same. And I know everyone that's listening is going to want to know where to find you. Um, I want to talk about your book and your website and who you are on Instagram and Facebook. So let's go to lesliezan.com, L-E-S-L-I-E-Z-A-N-N.com. You're on Facebook Live on Mondays and Tuesday mornings. Yep, at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Monday is Mindset Monday, and we really get into the head stuff, which I love to do. And then Tuesdays mornings are for entrepreneurs, a lot of people in direct selling. It's really a go-to resource for people in direct selling, network marketing. And I share my passion and skills and concepts. And it's quite popular. It's, it brings me a lot of joy. It brings me a lot of joy too. <laughs> <laughs> and on Instagram, who are you on Instagram? Leslie.zan, loving the Instagram, so much fun. You know, I started a little story. So I started, it's really where I'm sharing my bike story now. So I started cycling during COVID. I'd never been a cyclist. I never rode on the street. And uh, when COVID started, I pulled out my old beat up hybrid bike, had to been 25 years old. I took it to the bike store and I don't think they could do anything with it except refurbish it. I said, hey, give it away to a charity if you can make it good enough to ride. So I bought this hybrid bike, a Jamison and uh, um, or Jamis, went for a ride with my buddy who's a cyclist for many years. And I thought, oh, this is kind of fun. So in a couple of months, I bought a real road bike. I bought a BMC road bikes, turned in the Jamis and been cycling ever since. So it's 18 months now. And as you know, Lisa, because you've been in classes with me, 
So I've done three fifties and one sixty miler. And on September 4th, I'm doing my hundred mile. Amazing. Uh, I know. I'm so From proud of uh, well, we're going to start here. We're going to go all the way up. We, we got a route to make it 100 miles. So we're going to start my home here in San Diego, downtown. We're going to go all the way up to Camp Pendleton. And then we're going to come back down the coast, probably down to Coronado. And I think we're going to finish in Coronado. So. so the first 50 is going to be mainly uphill. Well, there's a lot of hills, but I ride it all the time. Like I did it yesterday. So it's Torrey Pines, which is just a long, slow grade. So yeah, there's quite a few hills, but I didn't want to repeat that route because I didn't want to be at mile 80 going up Torrey Pines. So this is why we're going down to Coronado. So I have more flat, less elevation during the the second 50. So um, yeah, that's, you know, I can't wait to, I'm going to create a whole keynote. There's so many lessons that relate to life in general, moving through fear and setting a goal and never quitting and, you know, peddling through the pain and um, the empowerment that comes from getting stronger or getting more confident or getting more skilled. I mean, it just, it's just been an amazing experience and something I never thought I would do. I am constantly moving through fear. That is for sure. No doubt on a road bike, it's not easy. You're clipped in, there's traffic everywhere, there's hills, you know, it's um, balance and stamina. And um, there's so many analogies between exercise, whether it's road biking, mountain biking, weightlifting, running, yep, um, any sport, gymnastics when you were a child. All of that athleticism um, teaches you the lesson that you need as an entrepreneur, whether you're in direct selling, network marketing, selling houses, selling cars, whatever you're selling, whatever product or service you're selling, whether it's direct to consumer or whatever. Um, I agree. I had a keynote that, that I took the qualities I thought that made a great athlete are the same qualities that make us great at anything we want to do. Which are? Oh, perseverance, vision, practice, getting up when you fall down, moving through your fears. You know, how do you deal with the loss? How do you deal with the wind? How do you keep that big vision? I mean, I used to do indoor rock climbing. I mean, talk about, well, biggest lesson of all is that it's more mindset than physical. It is more mindset than physical. And I really learned that when I did indoor rock climbing, because even though I had the physical strength, the more I practiced, Every single moment, can I grip that? Is my leg strong enough? Can I reach that hold? Can I pull myself up? Like everything was a question, right? Is my, my toe going to hold? Like everything was a question of doubt. I just had to go into every single move with the mindset that I'm going to do it. It's the same thing with the bike. When I'm at the bottom of a hill, I don't look up and go and question, am I going to be able to go up this hill? I'm at the bottom of the hill going, I am kicking this hill's ass. And then I just go. It's, it's as much. And after 50 miles, it's, it's going to be mindset as much as physical, probably more so than physical. Yeah. Yes, I agree. It is. And you take it, you know, a mile at a time, or you take it five minutes at a time and it's right. You just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Exactly. Yeah. Keep pedaling. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked a little bit before we started and your book, Outrageous Achievement is just absolutely a must read for any entrepreneur. I absolutely love it. And you said that you may or may not be working on a second. Yeah, I've started the second book. 
very keen on that. I already started on the outline. Um, that should come out next year. And, um, you know, I, I, there's a, there's another example of mindset. You know, for years, people said, you got to put your stuff in a book. I'm like, yeah, it's good stuff. Who's got the time to write a book? And I finally did some journaling about why would I want to write a book? What is the benefit to me? What is the benefit to the world? And once I got clear that I really, that I'm coming from service and I really wanted this content out into the world, that clarity drove me to start writing. And then I made that commitment. I was up at 4 a.m. every morning, Monday through Friday, and made time to write. If I was traveling, I wrote on the plane. Like I really stuck to my schedule. And um, as much as having that schedule, it's the mindset you go into those kind of activities. And so I made sure to find the joy and keep my mindset positive. And I found I really loved the writing process quite a bit. So I'm looking forward to the next book. So, well, I'm looking forward to it as well. And I'm sure everybody listening is as well. And so you have to promise me that you're going to come back after the second book is written in a year or whenever it's published, whenever we get to read it. And we can talk about that too. Pinky swear. Absolutely. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on today. It's been so wonderful. For more information on the Direct AF Sales book or custom dice course or workbook, go on over to directafsales.com. There's going to be a discount code for all the listeners there. It's code DIRECTAF20 and grab yours today. Thanks for listening to today's show. Please leave me a review. Make sure you subscribe and even better, share it with a friend so that we can share our message and our content and help as many people as we can. Thanks, guys.